honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Strange on Purpose is a show hosted by misfits, entrepreneurs, and creatives. We interview some of the top minds on the planet, highlighting their stories, accomplishments, and deliver it to you in an actionable audio experience. This series is for the humans that don't mind going against the grain in order to achieve their goals. For the people that see the world differently and understand that there are lessons all around us. It's for the misfits, the rebels, the go-getters, and the people that are growing on purpose. You're listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. This week, we had Scott Birdie, who's the head of sales at TrueFan. And again, if you don't know what TrueFan is, they're doing incredible work in the influencer marketing space. They've worked with brands like McDonald's and just huge, huge names in the entertainment space, basically helping influencers and top brands get connected to their most engaged fans, which is just so needed in the influencer marketing space. So... Hope you like this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Scott. And again, if you like what you hear, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be rad. Here's the episode. Dude, appreciate you coming on the show, man. You already know I'm about to be super weird, but <laughs> appreciate you coming on. We haven't chatted in a while. <laughs> I know. It's been a little while. I mean, I mean, thinking back to the first time we met, I uh, was at the LinkedIn Local in Chicago, I think, at Microsoft. Um, and that was a fun night. There's a lot of like people that had kind of kind of been hanging around that LinkedIn community and we all met up there I think for the first time like in person so that was a pretty neat night and since then I mean like things have gone pretty mad for you things have been pretty crazy for me as well um, we've both been working on growing businesses so I'm excited to kind of catch up you know talk a little bit about that stuff and also talk a little bit about life with you Q I appreciate you having me on and you know I appreciate you guys for doing what you do like you're honestly driven to drive the community forward and you can't ask for much more than that, dude. You, you do it in a real fashion, so I appreciate yeah, it. I appreciate it. I do. It means the world, man. Literally everything we do, it's it's got to be for the community. But like that's that's when it's fun, you know. Like that's when we have the most fun. That's when we see the most ROI. When we're just we're not worried about actually making money. We're just giving back. So I appreciate it, dude. But when I met you, I think that was that was when you first started with True Fan. I want to say right. Like you were just getting started. I want to say that was like February, March or something like that, 2018 or something. I don't know. I have no idea of the date, but you were just getting started. Can you walk I mean, me through? Yeah, like, got a good memory. That, yeah, I was right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were spot on, dude. I think I left <laughs> Chicago on March 1st and it was like at the end of February. Wow. That's funny. <laughs> good oh. So tell me a little bit about you. Um, let's say from that point and what's happened with TrueFan since then and what is TrueFan? Yeah, I appreciate you. Um, essentially, TrueFan is an audience management platform for social media that we created to help brands and influencers, um, you know, even agencies that represent one or the other, um, to simply identify, engage, and reward their top fans. And I think it's really turned into the type of platform that helps any of those markets uh, activate those audiences and really activate the right audiences that for purposes that are aligned with their internal, whatever it be marketing, digital, organizational objectives, um, and even more so, like activate the type of people that are really moving the needle for that brand or influencer, um, 
so you can kind of think about that natural evolution of social media and marketing, like the ability now to cut through some of that distraction because there is so much with advertisements is so critical to any mm. brand or influencer success. Um, so we're really just trying to like create some platform that will allow any of those markets to cut through that distraction by building those one-to-one relationships. Um, and yeah, I guess a little bit more so on me, like going back to when we first met until now, it's been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. You're, you're 100% right. Um, I had initially quit my job in early February of 2018 to kind of fully focus in on TrueFan um, while being able to maintain a little bit of the LinkedIn stuff that we had in common during that period. And uh, yeah, like apart from that, it's, it's been a couple of moves uh, since that time. I was formerly living in Ottawa when I was in Chicago there. So we were on a little trip. I, I did a LinkedIn local in Seattle and then Chicago. Um, was in Ottawa until the start of November. And that was when, when I made the move around Halloween to Vancouver to kind of finally centralize a little bit of our operation. So Onik and Swish, the two co-founders had moved there. Onik was previously going to Stanford. Swish was, you know, can't really keep track of him on a point somewhere, as a lot of people say. And, uh, and so we kind of centralized. We were working at a Hootsuite for a few months. Um, after that, it, yeah, it literally only took three months for me to, well, a month and a half to break the year lease <laughs> that I started when I moved there. Moving across the country in Canada, and then I ended up having to move right back, like past where I was living in Ottawa to Toronto, where I am now. So uh, it, that's been a bit of a whirlwind and kind of like, like something that you kind of get used to in this life. And like, I, I would almost bounce this kind of like same feel off of you is like with all the moving around and like how mobile um, probably both of our lifestyles are and lifestyle largely referring to work um, in that statement, but like how mobile you have to be, it's been something that's like easy for me to adapt to. But in reality, like when I take a step back and think about it, I'm like, oh shit, like, it's been a lot to deal with over the last like six months. <laughs> it's not something I would have planned is like driving across Canada and then being like, shit, okay, I got to break a year lease and move back to the most expensive city in Canada after being in the second most expensive city. Um, yeah, these just aren't the typical challenges that you face day to day but yeah. I love traveling and I love seeing new places meeting new people as you kind of know and so you know it's been like a fun little challenge to take on over the last little while but the business side has been going well um, we can get into more of that in a bit but yeah I mean bounce the same thing off you like what's life been like in the last year dude I mean you've started a business a new business and you just moved into a new location as well yeah um, so when I met you I think I was I was personal branding and consulting is really all I was doing. I was going into companies and basically like educating them on, okay, your, your employees need to have that brand, right? It's going to help you as a company. That's really all I was doing um, and creating a lot of content. And it was going well because of LinkedIn, but I realized I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to be a solopreneur, right? I, I needed that community. I wanted a team. So we launched this and like we struggled for a while, you know, but like, I think it's just taken off faster than any of us ever expected. We just, um, originally I made a video, yo, we'll trade services, let's, um, just for office space, right? Like, and we outgrew that in three months, then we came here, we signed a five-year lease, give us a lot of flexibility, knocked down walls, we outgrew that space in like another three months, so we've been moving fast. Um, it just, 
dude, with that, you know, there's a lot of growing pains and mentally there's a lot of new challenges and you know, and I really want to, I really want to dive into that just lifestyle in a startup because um, whether like you founded it or you're working in it, dude, like we've got a team of 11 now as of yesterday, like everybody feels like a founder, you know, and everybody goes through that stress and it's so like, how do we like balance it, you know? So I really want to dive into that. But before that, um, how did you meet Swish? How did you meet Manu? Like Manu's a CEO, right? Yeah, yeah, you got okay. it. He's the founder and CEO. So how did you, you're working your full-time job. How did you get into TrueFan originally? Yeah, good, uh, good question. Good place to kind of start off there. So for any of the listeners, Swish, Goswami, you may have seen him around LinkedIn a little bit. Like you, um, constantly creating content, putting it out there into the world. Um, he really puts out a lot of kind of like motivational content, but at the same time, he's a really like young, driven, serial entrepreneur. So I kind of noticed him um, at a stage of, I guess, my career when I get like really like down into the dirty with it. But like at the time when I was working where I was, I didn't think of it much as a career because I wasn't like doing like what I felt was making me happy or like what I was like driven to like wake up and do each and every day. Um, that being said, I was in like a neat place in my career where I'd kind of bounced around a couple of roles after university doing like direct sales. Um, shortly after that, did a kind of like operational management, just more like management behind the scenes, working on P&Ls for different locations in a car rental company. Um, both kind of like environments that weren't that great on just the well-being and like, you know, weren't places that exactly cared about their employees, we'll put it that way. So having kind of like an ownership mentality and making what I could out of those situations, uh, I naturally got approached while I was at work one day by who ended up being my hiring manager at the time working for Robert Half Technology. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but Robert Half's kind of a pretty well-known recruitment firm that's like global. So okay. I kind of got into a bit more of a corporate situation, which I hadn't been around in a little while, and doing business development specifically for technology recruitment um, and temporary contracts. Got to dabble like a lot with technology, so that was I don't know, the first time that I I started to dive into that world. Like I really had no context as to like what all these words were that were apparently like languages. You know what I mean? You're like. Oh my God, like how can these people who are developing and you know coding like speak hundreds of languages and it's like ones that are constantly getting better or coming up with new ones. So like diving into that world and getting used to it, just like feeling comfortable interacting with CTOs and people that were immersed in technology um, was a good thing for me. I think that did a lot like for my personal development and up to that point, I didn't realize how jobs were impacting, you know, kind of like personal or professional development, but slowly that did. And the real thing that I was like trying to kind of get to here is I had LinkedIn open every day, dude. Like that was the time when I just all of a sudden had my LinkedIn like reappear in front of me that I'd had since college, like, going back probably four or five years at that point. I mean, we had made it in a class, you know, it was like, um, I took a marketing program initially in college. And so that was like something that had just come out. We all had a profile. I barely used the thing through university other than just like applying for the job here and there. And like yeah. I said, a bunch of job interviews up shortly after I graduated in San Francisco. So that was what I used it for. But having LinkedIn open every day, I started noticing, I was like, oh shit, like who's this Q guy? Like who's this Swish guy? And like, what? As a marketer, like the marketing side of me was like, why am I seeing that all of these posts are getting like absurd amounts of engagement? And like, they must be getting you know, a significant amount of views on their end. You'd, you'd see like the odd videos start to pop out or whatever. And so it was kind of a challenge that I put on myself of like, well, 
if I really want to better my career and kind of take it to a point where I'm either working with the type of people that I really vibe with or I'm loving the work that I do, you know, like a combination of those factors, I should probably get busy on this platform because it is social media. I mean, it does have natural like syndication with being in marketing. And so looking at that as kind of an opportunity cost that was on the table, I just started using the platform in a way that Robert Half wasn't exactly recommending in the way mm. that their employees should be, you know, sharing content. Cause it was more so for like, Oh, we have this job that we just got from a client. Like let's hope on a prayer that somebody sees this post and somehow we get the perfect candidate to apply to this job now. Like, no, this is not the way that the world typically works. But I approached the marketers that worked there. There's like three of them that did that globally and I was, or nationally. And I was like, you know, why do you guys like recommend it? I mean, like if you look here, here and here, you'll kind of notice that like these types of content really resonate. And I noticed the storytelling aspect of that. And I'm really mm -hmm. getting home for pretty much anybody who was putting out content on LinkedIn, like guys like Tim Salou as well, just like that tr tremendous effort to build a community. And so I was like, I got to get in with this. Started creating content, um, really saw Swish as somebody who I kind of, aligned with from more of a work mentality like somebody yeah. who's constantly on the go like really willing to combine work with their life and i was like okay how can i get to this guy so i started annoying him but like i shouldn't say annoying i was like being persistent kind of like a sales guy would be taught to but also being like respectful knowing that like he's busy you know he's got a little bit of uh, influence and you know he's doing some things things with at the time uh, elliot robinson on dunk and uh and so I'm not sure if you know Elliot, but I'd also seen him on LinkedIn. And I was like, how can I get through to these guys? I was like, Elliot seems like an Instagram guy. I don't really have much of a chance with that. You know, make it the odd DM response, but like yeah. I'm going to set up a meeting. And then Swish was getting involved with the LinkedIn locals. So kind of cutting to the chase. I just was very persistent about, yo, let's get you out to Ottawa because I knew he was in Toronto a lot. It's a short drive or a short train ride. And I was like, let's get you out to Ottawa. Let's do a LinkedIn local here. Um, it was early in their kind of existence and like I was late 2017 I think like maybe in November when we hosted that first one um, and so I got a sponsorship helping organize that event that brought him out to the event it was one of the speakers and uh, and we met there in person and then one thing led to another um, and it was really like you know a little bit of thoughts on his end and some documentation about these few business ideas and I was like you know saw this at the time it was called Superfan, like this analytics and kind of social audience idea I was like this is sick. I mean, this is getting a little bit saturated, not so from like the usage of them, but just like the technologies and things that people are creating to yeah. get a hold of that cash grab. And I was just like, man, I'll dedicate my life to this if you want to work together on it. I'm kind of at that point now where like I shortly after um, Robert Half, I kind of left there during that LinkedIn phase. Because I was like, I don't really align with these guys. I found this job as an operations marketing manager for a privately owned uh, like parking lot management enforcement that was backed by technology. So I could kind of fit in well there and um, help build up the business a bit. So I did that for a few months. was getting like really worked under the table a lot more than mm -hmm. they'd initially told me. And that kind of took me to the point when I quit my job in uh, early February after you know the team had like, gotten together. But yeah. You've it's, moved very a quickly. Story just to no, you're good, man. You guys have moved quickly. And like just to give like listeners an idea of how badass True Fan is, because we haven't even touched on it yet. Like just on the site, I'm sure there's more, dude. Like you've got people on your advisory board from anywhere from NBA players to CEOs to VCs and you've worked with brands like McDonald's, Under Armour, like Kevin Hart, UFC, like NFL Goper, like all like just it's ridiculous, man. Like how where does that come from? 
Like I know, I know Mono's a beast. Like I know a lot of that is network, but where does that come from? Your position's head of sales, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So where where does that come from? Uh, I think like the people and like the business or um, a lot of those brands that really like over the course of 2018 were validating this idea um, that we set forth mm-hmm. and like we really it went down that avenue after we got our first in- investment of we're all going to work from home. Um, you know, it's going to be a remote kind of effort to begin with. You know, we didn't have money to like start paying each other. Um, yeah. So on the side, like I fell into a little bit of a consulting gig that was like month to month type of retainer where I was helping a CMO much older than me with LinkedIn and that would help pay the bills. But um, it also really allowed me to focus in a lot of my time on TrueFan. And, um, and I think we were all sort of in that similar position, like the CMO Tim, a really good guy. Uh, he was definitely part of that early network of like being able to get validation from big, big brands like that. Um, I know like UFC was probably one on his end out in the, out in the UK. He had some connections there. Um, certainly like part of that is Swish's network um, and him being able to kind of activate that, all the team really being able to activate that network. Yeah. But uh, you know, this like, I guess like even going to the advisory board and investors, stuff like that. Like we've got a lot of great people backing us. A lot of great companies have backed the idea over time, but it doesn't like make my job or anyone else's job like significantly easier. You know what I mean? I think that maybe that's like a common thread of people who haven't been in this like startup life and like who really haven't been through the grind. Like we're now only at a stage where we have like like, a really solid product and we're pushing out one of the biggest updates which will feature Instagram on our platform. And that's been like a crazy hard path to, to, to start knocking down. And it was just like, all of those things are great. And I think when it comes to like NBA players, CEOs, like big brands and the executives that you might need to make those types of decisions on products like ours, it's easy to like knock down on those doors and, and then potentially find access to those people using different methods you know what i mean like swish was obviously in that world in the vc space so he kind of made up a lot of those really neat connections and he was working with dunk for a while so like in the sports lens and specifically related to basketball like he's kind of immersed in that space um so it allowed us to like open that up pretty pretty easily i'd say but like for anybody out there you know what i mean like you can't say no for the other person you can't just like prevent yourself from going knocking on the door of like the cmo of i don't know i mean milwaukee bucks like you're in milwaukee right because he's the CEO CMO of the Milwaukee Bucks, like the Milwaukee Bucks need services um, just as much as any other business do. And like, if you can bring a solution to the table that they really haven't seen or that type of thing that they're like innately looking for, and sometimes they don't even know it, you know, like the amount of times I got feedback for our idea on over the course of 2018, when we were still working on the product, we didn't really have much, it would be like, you know, this idea is so simple. It's like, how did you, you guys like how'd you come up with this like it's such a simple idea but like how is it not being done and people are kind of like thinking it through in their head and i'm just like i know it it is relatively simple because largely like what we do is segment your most engaged influential followers and really those key segments of your social audience to make it a lot easier to activate the right types of those audiences for the different purposes related to you know your digital marketing influencer marketing efforts even sales efforts um and the conversion that you can have on those audiences but like it's just a lot of those companies aren't going to do these types of things in house ultimately, as, yeah. as you would probably well know. And um, yeah, if you bring them that solution, like you'll get that quick validation. Um, 
when you actually have the product and you're trying to sell it, it becomes a lot harder because then their minds start to go off on a little path of like, oh, we have all this nice data. Like, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And of course, the feedback is great, but like we do need long-term sort of partners. And when I say partners, I mean like customers um, that are some of those big brands to really like validate what we're doing, help us get out further into that market, but also give us that like time and resources, resources meaning money, um, and, and that translates to people, you know, like the cash flow that will allow us to, to sustain and iterate the product so that it does meet the need of the market. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like having product market fit before you have a product is a great problem, but a really like annoying problem to have because then yeah. you're dealing with a lot of these great people who have given you that validation, but you're having to like string them along, which is not something you really want to do with those relationships. You really want to provide them with that solution, get it in their hands and let them run with it and then start to give you that oh, over time, like, I think this could be really interesting. I think this could be interesting and have those, like, frequent conversations about what you're working on. So, oh, that's interesting. Got a product and a lot of people back in this, but, uh, um, you know, you work with some pretty amazing people yourself. I know you were, like, in Milwaukee Stadium recently doing some work. I don't know how recently, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we um, we covered their, uh, the new arena. If you've been down here, dude, it's it's gorgeous. Like, the Pfizer Forum, I want to say, I might have butchered, like, the... <laughs> but, it's amazing, dude. Like, it's incredible. We've done work with, like, Milwaukee Admirals and things like that. Like, and some just literally just incredible people. I think a lot of people are just afraid to go to the top, man. Like, they try to work their way from the bottom up versus the top down, which is, it makes no sense to me. And you're just, for us, at least for me specifically, like, dude, like, leveraging what you have and being strategic about how you get your foot in the door is just, it's simple, man, like going straight to the top and knowing exactly, like you said, this is the value that I can bring. This is my product and I know I'm the fucking best. Like just being upfront with it and actually believing in what you do, it makes such a big difference when it comes to sales. Like so, so, so simple, like not easy, but so simple. So your, your role now, what does that, what does that look like? Who are you, what are you selling? Who are you selling to? Like, are you more on the partnership side? Are you more like customer? Like, what does that look like? It's, um, you're definitely going to send me into a bit of like a tangent with this one, but <laughs> we still don't have the biggest team. Uh, so we're definitely kind of split amongst, uh, different areas and like things we're looking at. Uh, Tim has kind of transitioned a little bit more so to an advisory role right now. Um, but he's still in the UK if they're helping. So like, I also help oversee uh, a lot of our marketing efforts mm -hmm. we recently, like involved a little creative studio who helps with a bit of like the social media management and just some creative needs like from kind of week to week um that also go hand in hand with social and we also engage uh actually in this office here so i'm in round 13 um which is for the listeners it's a venture capital studio around 13 capital um or should i shouldn't say studio is a firm um and this mm -hmm. is their office so there's an s company that works out of here as well and they do quite a bit of work with a couple of venture capital partners so i help oversee uh, them getting started and them getting their initiative going on the sales end and like really what i'm focusing on most weeks on like for that it's like talking to a lot of the customers that we've gotten uh, sales qualified through the website certainly so like demos pitches presentations anything related to our products um, trying to get new users even if they're just on a trial or a pilot for a period of time um, and trying to convert a lot of those over payment plan um certainly for a while we've been trying to like work through a lot of the contacts that i was talking about in that last spiel and like a lot of those great brands and some of the executives that have given us validation over that, that time into that payment plan um and beyond that like partnerships is definitely a big area of it like we have a couple of agent partners agent agreements out there with um, um 
there's one firm that's out of New York or Jersey. Yeah, they're out of Jersey. Uh, and they have connections to like 100 plus CIOs. So trying to slowly open up that door, mm. um, leverage some of their connections just as a strategic partnership or strategic account, however you want to kind of turn that. Uh, we have another one who's in the Philippines, um, a couple of them actually. And that's part of Swish's network. He had gone and done a speaking gig out there at one point and um, happened to like, I don't know how long he's known him, but this guy, Brian Poe, who's also an investor, uh, he thinks he's part of like, like a family that has some pretty major political ties in the Philippines. Um, so he's been able to kind of open up a door where we, we have one other agent partner that does a lot of work with agencies there. So, so um, that's definitely kind of a strategic effort, a little bit more of like a long-term lens, the day-to-day pitching and trying to close you know, a little bit more so the short term, trying to up the cash flow and up the users. Um, yeah, and like, I mean, there's always like a little bit of investor stuff happening. I mean, we get some people that are reaching out to us because they've seen the investor board and stuff and like some guys who are working on crazy ideas. Like I was talking about a potential, I wouldn't even call them a prospect because that's more like a relationship we got to build. But like the kind of conversations I have are always fun. Yeah. The clientele we're dealing with. I focus a little bit more so on the B2B side and, even when it comes to like the influencers, I think I'd rather deal more so with like a talent agency um, or like a hashtag page, which is kind of maybe like an influencer marketing tool, but really like a, a glorified network of creators that they represent or help out. Because talking to like one person that represents a thousand versus what like one to one is obviously a much more <laughs> effective use of your time. Um, and the money comes from like the brand end a little bit more so than it would the influencer end. But yeah, just going back to the conversation, like there's a guy. I was talking with last week, got connected to him through uh, a sort of partner, uh, a good peer that's down in San Diego. And he worked for USA Today, or yeah, USA Today, the sports column for about four years. Um, and is like friends with the president of ESPN. And so it's like those types of relationships that you really want to nurture. Uh, um, and then they'll be reaching out to you and you kind of get through conversation and you find out it's like, oh, wow, this person actually just wanted some intros to potential investors. So like, of course, I'll help, you know, extend an email, yeah. extend a few introductions with the right people because my hope is, like, I know he's friends and got the, you know, personal cell number for the president of ESPN. So talking about, like, top-down approach, like, I'm not always targeting the CMO or, like, the CEO if we're going after, like, a brand-new cold account. But when it comes to, like, those relationships, I want to nurture the hell out of um, so like I put, I do put some time into that, that day to day, week to week, month to month. Um, and, you know, I mean, even just the things like CRM administration, um, all, all marketing automation, like I do a lot of that for our company as well. So it's do like, there's just so much to do. Um, and I actually still do like a little bit of advisory consulting with another SaaS company, working with the CMO on kind of optimizing the brand's presence um, and his presence on LinkedIn that doesn't take up much of my time, but certainly yeah. like when I do have a little bit of extra time, I put most of that effort into like that, uh, and less so my personal brand. And that's kind of like where, you know, over the last, like he really since 2019, I've been putting out so much less content really that I didn't intend to do. But since then, and I have been over the last like year and a half, cause that's been like a focal point for me is just getting out there, building up that network on LinkedIn, because that really can translate into some, some solid ROI if you know how to activate those relationships and hearing you say like being strategic with it I mean who's done it better than like people like yourself or I mean Swish has done a pretty good job of being very strategic with that um, Tim Salou is just like a guy I think of all the time but there's so many people out there and you're definitely like I've I've been watching you guys not only because I love the passion and community building that you're doing but like I look for those little things that maybe like 
not everybody sees, you know, but like as like a really trying to be strategic from more of a marketing sense, like I see what, what you're doing. Um, and I see like some of the, some of the ways that that translates into business and how you've been able to grow your business through those efforts and that media. So it's like, it's not going to notice, but you do have to be really strategic because your network can be your net worth. But if you can't like, you know, if you don't have a product or service that they actually want or need, you're going to struggle. But if you don't know how to actually activate that network or ask, then that's also going to be a struggle. Yeah, no, I like that. And you mentioned someone, something in there that I want to touch on. Um, but first, like just being young, I know there's a lot of things with like imposter syndrome and just issues that other people have, right? Like, oh, you're young, I shouldn't be working with you. Oh, you're young, I don't, I don't want to be in this meeting. Or where's the CEO? Where's the actual head of sales? You know, things like that. But with that and that limitation, that's not actually a limitation. Um, how important is it to nurture those relationships, like you said? And then what does that look like? What does nurturing relationships look like? That's a, that's a great question, Q. Um, I think to touch on the age point first, that's, you know, age is but a number. Like, I think sometimes like earlier on um, my career, like I was kind of looking at myself like, oh, I'm still young. Um, you know what I mean? Like I still have so much time and certain things like this, but like over time I was actually realizing like, what am I doing here? Like I wasn't even recognizing the types of skills that I was actually building, but I felt like I was a little more stuck than anything. It's because I really wasn't willing to put myself out there to do the type of work that I really knew intrinsically that I could do. You know what I mean? Like where, you know, you maintain that ownership personality and whatever you do. Um, and I want to learn, like I want to continuously learn. And I feel like one of the best ways that I learn is by doing. So just kind of like pushing the envelope and, and trying to learn new things because I'm forced to, like that's what you have to do when you're building a business. Right. So that's, that's been really fun. And I think like, it's, it's interesting how you put that out there. Like, where's the real head of sales or like, where's the real CMO? I mean, talking about like more seasoned and experienced executives, you're, you're totally right. I think like a lot of people could still get trapped. I mean, even sometimes I get trapped in that kind of thing. Like, oh man, do I really like know what I'm doing in this lens and this lens? But in reality, like I'm giving it my best every single day and I'm trying to get things done. I'm trying to improve not only my knowledge, but like my execution on each and every one of those things that like I'm relatively unpolished on. So I know that I'm putting in the work and I'm putting in work probably that a lot of those older um, more seasoned professionals may not, you know what I mean? Like they're a little bit more used to overseeing. Um, I'm not like putting everyone in, in a bucket, but I think a lot of them over the course of their careers, like the baby boomers and stuff, maybe a little bit more used to overseeing and managing versus really getting their hands dirty. And I got to do a little bit of both as, as we start to build our team, you know, you guys are at 11 people. We will have those kind of process iterations per se, where you go almost through feeling out like, how everything's working together so like i got to be aware from not only a business processes standpoint um but also you know talking about nurturing relationships like those contacts that i've been dealing with day to day to day to day and like week by week crm is a big help when it comes to that if you can kind of stay on top of your tasks and you know contact segmentation and all that that's been another major effort that like is a never-ending undertaking um and, and and so ultimately that comes into nurturing relationships i think trying to help them those types of people that you want something from um, find value in what it is you're doing for them originally, even if it isn't like your product or your service straight away. Like if, if they're kind of looking for something that's a little bit more so outside um, of your typical typical offering, 
and try and help them with that, um, mm-hmm. make the right introductions with the right people in the right different environments. So, um, yeah, really like helping people when it comes to nurturing and really trying to stay on top of a lot of those relationships until I know that like, you know, we're at a good place or there's no real need to kind of touch base for a, for a little while, you know, ultimately setting that expectation. That's something you have to do in sales um, as well as meetings. And even just like if you want to maintain certain relationships amongst your network long term, you know, just simply setting that expectation of like, hey, like, it's been a while, Q. How about I follow up with you at the start of May? Like things are kind of crazy right now for me, but I've been thinking about it. And like it's been like three months. I mean, in our case, like it's been a while, but we've actually been trying to even just get on a call for the last like several months. So like being flexible is a key, um, but actually being persistent with it and making those efforts over time is the real key because people take notice, right? Like even if it is just like thinking about them, I mean, that's the common thought of like writing a birthday card, right? It's not really the card yeah. that is the principle of like, hey, you, you receive something. It's like the thought that went into that card and them taking time out of their day previously to go get that card, um, write that letter, you know what I mean? All of those types of things like those. And, and, and that translates almost into what we're doing on social media. That's just another add on to this quick bit, but like creating those types of one-to-one relationships to scale with like a big audience is difficult. And that's what we're trying to slowly help with, right? Like one at a time, I'm with those people that move the needle for you or those influencers that are aligned from the get-go with your brand. Let's say from a sales standpoint or even from like a social media, like influencer standpoint, like how do you identify, I mean, this can be personally, this can be for your company. How do you identify those key partnerships or those key um, people that you want to nurture, that you want to leverage later on? How do you know who they are and then how do you go about reaching them? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm, I'm going to go back briefly just because I think like the point we were just talking about in terms of age, I know you probably have a growing audience, obviously, but one that definitely is maybe in the earlier stages of their careers. Um, and I want to ask you a question after I kind of bring up an example, yeah. just to display the fact that like age is but a number. Um, for me, going back on some of the work that I do on the side with the CMO, um, this guy's got gray hair. He's got 25 plus years of experience working for some brilliant SaaS companies out there, um, moved around the USA, Canada. Like, it's somebody that knows a tremendous amount more than me. But I can coach him in a specific area where he tremendously needs the value that they can derive from that. And so he realizes that I can bring something to the table. And I know just from the relationship now that we've built, if I was to ask him and say, like, Daryl, sometimes... I don't feel like I'm an executive. Sometimes I don't feel like I should be like the head of sales for a company. He would say, you are a C-suite. And it's not, you know what I mean? It's not, not because like of the work that I've done for him. It's just like he knows that the work ethic and the type of way that I conduct myself, like I, I may not be perfect and none of us are, right? Like, but I go about my work in a way that like I want to be treated like an executive because that's what I'm putting in to everything that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, even the older guy, I, like he wouldn't kind of stoop to the level and be like, you know, you don't have the age. <laughs> You're not old enough to be a C-suite or whatever. And then I want to ask you a question quickly because I think this will solidify that point. But when you, you did your t- TED Talk, the TEDx Talk that you did recently, congratulations on that. Thank I wanted you. to bring that up to the listeners. But you got through that recently. And I want to ask you how many people in the crowd afterwards ask you, Q, how did you get the opportunity to do this TED Talk when you're only X and X years old? 
I don't actually know how old you are, but 25. My age, maybe 26. <laughs> yeah, 25. 21. Jesus, yeah. 25, sir. How old are you? 26, you said? Okay, 25. I'm 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were my age. Yeah, yeah. Um, right after the talk, like, um, there was someone, then there was me, and then there was someone else in the break. So I was in the back after our walkout. Um, like, I give my mic back, and there was an older guy, like, gray hair, and he stops me. And he's like, Sir, like, you're probably, like, I'm probably three times your age, but I just wanted to say you have so much wisdom. And I, like, I loved everything about the talk. And thank you so much for having the balls. I don't like to see the ball, but having the balls to go up there and share your story, encouraging me to do the same. Something along those lines, dude. He, he acknowledged the fact that it was age, but he acknowledged the fact that age didn't matter at the same time, which I, I love. And that was probably one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. Like, incredible. Just a number, man. It, like, it's, it's not about, like, okay, how much... If you worked at five, five years at TrueFan, it's not about the number. It's what did you do at TrueFan, right? So same thing. Same yeah. thing for age. Yeah, so true. That's a good way of putting it. Um, and then, yeah, to go back to the question that you had asked about, like, you know, how do you identify those right, type, right types of relationships um, or partnerships, uh, I guess, either through the influencer lens or even just from a business sense? I think it's about... I really try to take a keen eye on your objectives coming from from a bit of a marketing background, like that's just the easiest way for me to approach any situation that involves business and like how you're going to conduct your effort to whatever be grow revenue, um, increase demand if it's more on the marketing side, but essentially like going about those objectives. So like looking at it from the objective of if you're looking for an influencer, okay, you want somebody like you ultimately have an objective that's related to your awareness, conversion, um, some sort of in between that's maybe like you know, CPM um, on how they're getting paid, like cost per metric order. And I think it's really like a brand should be looking less so at conversion because <laughs> let's put it this way, Instagram stories with swipe up options, I mean, they've definitely been the reason that some businesses has blown up and like certain influencers out there, they might have a lot more leverage just because of the daily viewers and like the type of absolute diehard fans that'll do anything they say like jump off a bridge which one you know mm -hmm. but like instagram stories don't convert as much as people really i think assume that they do um and then even more so on like the awareness side there's a general like lack of knowing how much people you're end up gonna you're gonna reach so like visibility conversion all of those types of metrics you should kind of throw them at the window and just really start from knowing that like okay you have those objectives in place um so who's the right person to do that if it's from an influencer standpoint like are you looking at micro influencers is there a way to even activate like a, a sub micro influencer network one that has obviously a higher engagement percentage with their smaller group of following um a much higher visibility amongst that group um just like in terms of percentage and like more trust and just in terms of word of mouth and like their kind of general influence within that network or are you looking for somebody who's gonna drive a little bit more selling awareness side? But like throwing that out the window for a second and thinking like, okay, how can we figure out who's aligned with my brand or who's already out there speaking about us? Because then those are like types of opportunities that you may be able to tap into without spending as much on like the initial retainer fee for that influencer yeah. network or, um, you know, so, like, I, I think from that sense, 
there's just a lot of ways to be creative and strategic with it. Um, and we're trying to provide a tool that like helps brands do that just from the get go of like, Oh, yeah. I didn't know this influencer was following me. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of cool. And Oh, they actually like interacted. Like that person could be out there advocating for you. Maybe they've been yeah. wanting to get asked to be like, Hey, can you come do like a quick video bid for us? Or like, Hey, can you just do a quick shout out? Like we're going to send you a couple teas. You know what I mean? It could be like a product. I mean, I know the Raptors MLSE, like that's a, a company we pitched recently. And ultimately, they don't want to throw a ton of cash at influencers to come out to a free NBA game. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, we're just going to like blow $1,000 on you because you have 10,000 followers and you're going to come out to our game. Like, I'm sorry, this is not the world works. Like, you're giving them an experience. So find the people that are going to genuinely be happy about that experience, you know? And see, that's, that's um, what I think a lot of people think of influencer marketing, dude. Like, a lot of people think, like, that's influencer marketing like three years ago to me. Like, yeah, I have a lot of followers pay me. X amount of dollars, which is so like, that is what's wrong with influencer marketing, right? Because there's a lot of people that like, yeah, like, um, I love the Raptors. And then next week, they love the Bucks, right? The next week, they love the Lakers. And there's no trust there. And like all influences trust, if you don't have that trust, you can't do anything with it. So like, I 1000% I agree, but I think that's what's wrong with influencer marketing. But that that to me isn't it anymore. It's all about being creative about how you approach it and building real influence, which is trust. Without that trust, you don't have shit. Which you know, because that's what your platform does. Who are my key followers? Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I think uh, the trust part too, it kind of factors into like, and, and I think there's a link to connect between like influencer marketing as well as just the general business development and looking for the right types of partners is like, you want to create long-term relationships, right? So like, if you know that like somebody kind of did what you were hoping for on a certain campaign, like that's just somebody that you want to retain over time. So that like, even if the first effort isn't as successful as you'd hoped it'd be, even if the fifth effort isn't as successful as you'd hoped it would be like in the long run, the consumers on the other end of their network or the brand network that are like noticing that the two are working together, they're realizing that it's like, this isn't just like a paid scenario. Like maybe the person's getting paid, but like there's a genuine relationship between these two parts. Um, and that's always going to bode well for the brand in the long run, right? So, like, it, you have to be persistent if you want to grit, like, develop these almost free, I shouldn't say free, but, like, you know, just using a little bit more cost-effective relationships if you're a brand. Like, don't settle just because you don't, don't understand what influencer marketing is to paying that massive retainer fee and then finally getting that door open to, like, what you hope will be the perfect influencer for this campaign because, this company also has this intermediary technology that's supposed to justify the connection or match they're going to make with your upcoming campaign and one of their influencers that they need to get paid. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, don't give in. Be persistent and just try and develop those relationships over time. And then it's the same thing on the brands or like business development side of like, okay, what are my objectives from a business development? Like, what are the key markets, maybe internationally, that we're looking to um, develop over the next year to two years? like the Philippines, big network, like Southeast Asia for social media, obviously like for the purpose of audiences, like that's one of the earliest countries to probably be taken advantage of the fact that they need, needed some community management out there at a low cost, you know? Yeah. So like these businesses were built up with these people who just go in and engage all day, like bots, you know what I mean? Like a lot of them come from this country. So having that plan in place to tap into that network through those strategic relationships that like, you know, they're not made overnight. Like I had to go out of my way the first time I was chatting with one of these guys on like a Sunday night, 12 a.m. call because of the way that the time zone matches up. 
And it's like, that's fine. Because like, I'll do that every step of the way if that person is actually going to go out of their way to develop relationships for me in that country. Because that's going to be like a long trip. That's a friendship. You know what I mean? We're both going to benefit from the success of that. Um, and then it's just the same types of things. Things like being strategic with it of, yeah. you know, a firm that was 100 plus CIOs, like they were interested in potentially investing, but knowing that, that that's maybe not the right fit for our long-term relationship, it's like, let's slowly work you down the road where you feel confident enough in our products and confident enough to go pitch it in the right types of conversations, not just go like pitch crazy. They're not a call center company. You know what I mean? They're looking for those right times to pitch it to those key executives in massive food and beverage or retail companies that otherwise might take a while for us to to open up those opportunities, you know? Yeah, I like that. All about testing and finding what's going to be the right fit, who is going to be the right fit, who are going to be the right partners. I dig that a lot. Um, I want to take it in a bit of a different direction before we close off here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, But if you could only do one thing, like in terms of generating sales, closing deals, building those partnerships, what would that one thing be? And and this one thing has to get me through like finding those relationships. You could only not necessarily like building the relationship. Let's say generating sales. One thing to generate leads. Let's do just leads. What would you do? One thing to generate leads. I mean, it would be hard to argue with webinars. <laughs> uh, like I've learned, I, we haven't done any of those yet, and I think, think like in the future as I have a little bit more time to work some of my day into a couple of those productions week to week or month to month, like we'll make an effort to do that. Um, probably before the end of the next couple of months, you know, start down that road when I have some interns to take on a bit more of the day to day. But I mean, webinars are really hard to argue with because the cost per lead, mm. I mean, it's, it's almost unmatched, right? For like the kind of time and, and what you put in, like knowing that you can actually generate like high quality leads if you have the right type of topic for whatever webinar you're producing and then in turn the type of service or product that you're offering. Um, and I think that also factors into like, have you been involved with one of those online summits? Uh, once, just yeah. just once, but I once eh? it was like pre-recorded, so I didn't really do anything. <laughs> right, but like, I'm sure in terms of leads that you were able to generate through that experience, like it was, is probably pretty cost effective in terms of you spending your time doing that one pre-recorded video and then putting that out into the world of like a massively promoted summit. I think that's like the next step to webinars essentially. And you'll see more and more and more of those summits coming along because like, fuck, excuse me. It's like, is it easier to host a massive conference where you're inviting like a thousand plus companies that are going to be there and basically Mm. be your cost gap. Like they're going to bring the money to the table so that you can leverage the right types of speakers to bring out to that event. Or can you just get really high level speakers for a fraction of the cost, maybe even no cost kind of going back to the last conversation and get them to spend an hour of their time recording a really key video, um, to encompass, you know, a, a much broader scope. Um, and, yeah, like so those types of things I think are invaluable. Like I'm more of just a general if we were to get like really creative with it. I mean from from more of the sales side of me, do you know what Discover Org is? Discover Org. No. I'm assuming you type something and just random stuff pops up. Or no. Am I thinking of something else? That's a great guess. I mean, don't go from the name. That's a good guess. Um, <laughs> Not even gross, though. No? 
Google. Uh, um, <laughs> no, like there was something yeah, where like uh, just random stuff. Okay, continue to just explain it. It's a sales intelligence platform. So like if I oh. like if I had like resources and I was gonna like purchase one thing that could like really over time you could develop like some great relationships and some amazing leads out of because it's got like all of the lead information at click of a few buttons. Um, being, being able to like export the right types of list for specific customers mm. and really just turn those into marketing automation campaigns and stuff. You, like, so it was an expensive thing, but I convinced the guys of it um, not like about a month ago. Um, so we've been slowly going and figuring that platform out, but really, really cool. So like the sales intelligence world, um, you're basically getting up-to-date emails and phone numbers, direct lines for like, we have the marketing department license. So CMOs down um, typically within any org chart that's kind of like discovered. Yeah. I guess that part, but Zoom Info um, was another popular company, uh, probably the second biggest in that space for a while, and they actually acquired Zoom Info. So yeah, for listeners, um, if you're in the business development space, a good tool to look into. Definitely a bit expensive, but you can, you know, really like work on that sales guy. Like get them down yeah. to that quarterly payment zone where they're giving you a deal in the first year. Um, we're obviously a startup, so I have that going for me a bit, but amazing data like just such rich data so um no, that's so a marketing sense it's a i was thinking of something crazy. stupid where like random photos just pop up like random photo of a caveman will just pop up that's what i was thinking of like <laughs> so definitely not that but <laughs> that's legit though i'll put the information below um lastly like before i forget this is a strange on purpose podcast so what about you goes against the grain what about you is strange on purpose Um, man, like, I think I've just generally had a really strange uh, sort of path that I've taken to this point. Um, it's hard to maybe point out one thing that like makes me strange, but like, if you got to know me for any listener out there, it's like, I'm sure you'd find a lot, a lot of weird things in my day to day or just like my general interests. I mean, like, I don't know, for some people skateboarding to work uh, might seem like <laughs> something that's kind of bizarre, but like, I fucking love being able to do that, like wherever I can. And like... I, I think, uh, man, strange. First of all, for the, the the name "Strange on Purpose" this podcast. It's a great name because really, to be successful in some right, like you almost have to be strange on purpose. And like being strange, meaning born. So like, it's okay to just be weird and be your like personal self and really like hone in, like, find your voice. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm only getting used to like things like podcasts and stuff like that. Like we'll be launching one. Um, probably within the next month to two months and we'll definitely get you on a queue because it's going to be called the fans first podcast so like really talking to like leaders in sports business media but people who kind of came from somewhere where they were a fan of something first and like maybe that fanship kind of led to something else over time or maybe it really led them directly towards working amongst that passion and obviously you're a fan of videos and media so you took that i like that concept that's cool like you said that's really cool videos yeah, well, just a kind of different take on some of the stories, but like wanting to focus too on the strategies and the way that you and other people put fans first as well um, after kind of coming up through that. But uh, yeah, I mean, like finding your voice, I think ultimately is just, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So just like it's okay with being vulnerable. And like I've tried to be a lot more vulnerable since getting okay with putting myself out there on LinkedIn and sources like that because I just long thought as a marketer, social media is really cool, but like, you know, my honest feeling about that, like being a little bit strange for a guy who works among social media, like 
pretty much all my work revolves around some variation of social media. But like, I never really vibed with it. Like Instagram and Twitter and like all that for a while when I was in school, I was like, you know, really neat for like generating visibility and awareness. But I was like, why are so many people shallow on here? But you know, kudos to those people. Like they were not afraid to put themselves out there, be themselves or maybe even be somebody else and build up a following. Like over time, I kind of just got over that whole thing because like, you know what I mean? It, you got to start. And, uh, and so I think just like getting vulnerable, being okay with who you are, being strange on purpose, even if other people do look at you in a strange way, it's just like, that's all right. You know, you're right where you should be. And if you're not, like, just do something to figure out how you can get there. And so it's like not being stagnant, like not getting stuck in that position where you're just like, oh, shit, you know what I mean? Like, life has stopped. Why should I get out of bed? Of bed? Um, everybody's strange, man. You know, absolutely. You never... About the struggle. Yeah, you're never going to beat anybody else at being them, but you can be the best you. So I dig that, man. Lastly, like, where where should people ch- uh, check you out to find out more? Like, what should they be paying attention to? What's next? Yeah, um, we'll probably have some updates coming out soon. Um, maybe even like a launch for the V1 of TrueFans platform. So be on the lookout for that. You can find us at TrueFan.io, um, pretty much on social media as well as the web. And then if you want to find me, I'm just Scott Bertie, B-E-R-T-Y. And, uh, I'm just yeah, Scott. I thought you were just going to stop there. Just Typically. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, LinkedIn, Instagram, so like, that's a pretty unique name. So uh, if you get the last name spelling correctly, you'll find me on any social media platform. I don't think there's many birdies out there. Um, and, you know, just want to say, Q, like, kudos to you. Kudos to your team. Uh, I, I kind of mentioned just briefly when we hopped on the call earlier, like in this crazy startup, like world life, whatever you want to call it. I'm not trying to be like melodramatic really about it. But, like you, you really do have to put in a lot of work. Um, and I, I saw a post earlier today from Tim Salu is a guy I brought up a couple times, community builder for the listeners on LinkedIn, highly recommend searching that guy up. Um, and he recommended or, or said essentially in a post that like the future of work is flexibility um, and really combining work with life. You've been a dude who I've like really looked up to um, from somebody who just like genuinely combines those two things, work and life, so so well. So if you do have like a couple minutes, I'd be curious to like have you share with me and the listeners um, what's been like the secret for you in doing that. But it, it's something that I've strived to do. Um, I definitely don't have a, a typical work schedule, although I do try and create some routine, you know, with the gym and like certain things that kind of better the mind and so in tune better your productivity but yeah man i just you know i thank you and i thank you for doing what you're doing on linkedin as well because you're definitely a community builder um and an honest one at that so dude it means the world man like for me honestly it's just clarity i think a lot of people not even to put it on other people i've taken a lot of time to get to know me and like actually what i want and where i want to go like i want to be a part of the team that markets the colonization of mars right big old mine is owned an esports organization like those are things that excite me like so i have no issue like going home playing video games or bringing my fucking tv to the office to play video games right like it's just my work and it's my life there's no separation it's just all together but i know exactly what i want what makes me happy and i've worked really hard to make it so that i can just do all of that full-time not do anything else i think that just comes down to clarity and really getting really taking the time to get to know yourself i i don't think it's more than that man like i know what i want and i'm i'm never gonna do anything else ever again ever 
Man, kudos to you. I know you guys have been putting a lot of money over time back into the business. Um, so big ups on that as well for, for any founders it, man. hopeful founders listening. Something that uh, you should definitely think about doing. You can, you know, it really sets you as kind of the foundation um, of that culture and that business, in which yeah. you are. I mean, it was a lot about you and Eric and um, some of those other guys who were part of the original team were doing. So, uh, yeah, kudos to you guys. It's It's been really impressive to see you guys grow. And I love following, man. Dude, right back at you, man. I'm a true fan of you. So, Appreciate you coming on, dude. <laughs>